company and just bless the Lord and just declare how good he is as we step into this season. Amen. You know, sometimes in life that's good, yes. right? It's good to change things up. Okay. So, tri trivia question number one: I don't. If we do we need to turn the lights up? Are we good? Uh, we can turn the lights up, the house lights, a tiny bit, and we have our trusty runner, Joe Tucker, in the center aisle. Right on. So there's lots of people in the house. I yes. think we should turn the lights up they just are. a tiny bit. They are. And maybe what you're going to need to do is, if you want a prize and you have the answer, I think you're going to kind of need to wave like crazy. Wave like crazy. Yeah, because they need to spot first. Where is he? I think you need to be right facing there. everybody. Right on. Yeah, that's probably what you need to do. This, I, this is okay, going to be amazing. Tough. Okay. I'll so watch, here we go. I'll watch this side. I, I, I was thinking we were going to throw it at them. I was actually really excited about that. But <laughs> this is our chance to throw things have, at you. We should have put it in a mason jar then or something. I was going to get all a my cannon. stress from them. <laughs> okay, question number one. In the classic How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Grinch was described with three words. Ready? What are they? Debbie. Look for the hands, Joe. What is it? Debbie. What are they? He's a mean one. No. No! Who else? Come on, Joe. Back we got to be looking around, it? Joe. Who is it down there? Is Callum. 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 Yes! Good job. Stink, stink, stop. You got to be. You, you need okay. eyes on all sides I got of your it. head there. I got it. Okay, ready? I'll be the official referee. Be right. no. Question number two. Go. Are we good? Yeah. What did my true love give to me? This is a, you gotta go one, two, three, no, no, four, five. On the eighth day of Christmas. Callum, you already won. Who's back there? Who is it, Kathy? Julie? Eight lords a leaping. No. 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 Who's back here? I can't see Run, 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 Joe, run, run. Joe, run. What's the answer? 
Eight maids of milk. Yes, Yay! we got it. And our last question. What was the first company that used Santa Claus in advertising? The first company. Oh, you're all saying the Coca-Cola. <laughs> Yay! Woo! There you go. Coca-Cola. Don't run away, Mom. Coca-Cola also. Okay. We're gonna get you all involved because as you can see, we're gonna have fun this morning. So dad, you can come stand over here. Mom, you can come stand over here. All the guys are gonna sing with my dad. Okay? And all the ladies are gonna sing with my mom. Solo her microphone, everybody. Okay, so instruments, hold it. Okay, ready? So we're gonna try and sing Deck the Halls together. Are you ready? Okay. okay, what so, we're going to do is, uh, we're, boys are going to do Deck the Halls. Boys are going to do Deck the Halls. Girls are going to do... Fa la 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 I think we got that lady song. <laughs> we got that. And we should apologize in advance about being binary about this. Here we go. Ready? Yes. I, I, am, I cannot give the first note. I need yes, you can. Deck the Halls with Good job. Okay, we're going to put a 30-second countdown up on the screens. Would you find somebody, just love on them and welcome them this morning as we enter back into worship together. Come on. Oh, 
think about, you know, that song that we just sang about the sloppy wet kiss, and it reminded me of one time in particular when my grandpa, you know, he gave me a kiss, and, and it's kind of like that. You know, I don't know, you know, sometimes maybe you're at school, you remember yourself being young, and your parent wants to give you a big kiss goodbye, and you're all like, Mom or Dad. You know that feeling, maybe that's an unusual it's an unusual thing to sing, but it's not just a little kiss. <laughs> no, it's a big kiss. And hallelujah this morning, when we think about Christmas, and we think about the miracle of Jesus and the plan of Almighty God, and why did he do it all? Hallelujah. So that he could show us how much the Father loves us he loves us how much you are loved and no matter what you are facing this morning that's where it begins it's where it all begins it doesn't necessarily change in a moment but if you stick with him and you let that love become more and more real to you every day you will get stronger Jesus came hallelujah just like one of the stories that we read in the scripture when the Israelites went to Canaan because God led them into Canaan. And what happened was as they went into Canaan, they discovered, they discovered that Canaan was exactly what God said it would be. It was a good land. And that's what Jesus came for us. He came so that we could learn and understand that God has good things for us, that we can live. What's it all about? That we don't, we're not stuck where we are that we can live a supernatural existence. And when they went into Canaan, the scripture tells us it took two men to take the grapes that were in that land. They put them on a pole, and it took two men to carry them out. Wow, those are some grapes. That is some land, that is some God, that is some promise. And as we worship God in our giving this morning, if you would like to give, you need an offering envelope and you just wave your hand like you did in the trivia I'm gonna call Pastor Ian up we have another question for you hallelujah but when we give it's like those ten spies that went in and saw that the land was good they saw that the lamb was good they believed that it was good and that was their report hallelujah thank you Lord so, Father, we thank you this morning in the name of Jesus for every single person, God, for every single gift. You might be here this morning, you never heard about this. You know, we just, we just say, God, what would you have me give? God, what would you have me do? God, you see my future. God, you sent Israel into Canaan. And in that same way, God, as we ask you, God, what our portion is this morning, just like you directed them, you direct us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we bless every giver and we bless every gift in the name of Jesus. And ushers, you can go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo, got quiet in the room. Hallelujah. I like rowdy we need, church. Uh, we probably need easier questions. Everybody, easier questions? I can feel the nervousness Can I get an usher to help me? Thank you. Hallelujah. You guys want easier questions? I thought we talked about this no, on Wednesday tough, night. Toughen them up. Hallelujah. Gotta, it's, it's all part of the suffering okay, thing. You know? This is easy. Come on, everybody. 
I don't know if these questions, because you did them, are sort of geared to the older crowd. No, actually a young and no. one, so we're good. Okay, here we go. In the Christmas song, you can do two things at once. There you go. In the Christmas song, who kissed Santa Claus under the mistletoe? Come on, wave those hands. Right you can't there. win again. Somebody new, wave your hands. There you go. You won. Who got it? Melanie has Melanie. to come up here and sing. She's for the us loudest. <laughs> Sometimes loudness pays. Okay. Question number two: Which country? I thought this was. I mean, it's a little, it's a little plug, but I don't know. Maybe you know what? I didn't know the answer. Which country is the largest exporter of Christmas trees? Which country? See. There we go. Yeah, it's not a country yet. Laura, Canada. Yes. Plug for Canada, Laura. We got that, Laura. Did Laura get it? Okay, last question. You're like, they're like, can we get on with things? This is our last question. This is your last opportunity <laughs> to get a t-shirt from me. So. What is the name of Ebenezer Scrooge's partner? Come on, shh, just wave your hand. No yelling. David. There's a hand. What's Ebenezer Scrooge's partner? Come on. Oh, ding, 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 oh. ding. Yeah, what's what is it? What's the name? Full name. Full name. Full name. David, right here. David. There we go. Hands, hand. Marley. His name is? Marley. First name? First name. Bob? No. no. Next person right beside you. <laughs> right beside you. Jacob Marley. Yeah.
let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and went to find Jesus and Joseph and Mary. And there they found the baby lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word around the land concerning what they had been told. And all who heard the story were amazed. Jesus, the King of Kings, had arrived. in a magical land. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. How y'all doing? Merry Christmas. Uh, hope you have had a eventful and stress-free Christmas of not chasing carrots. Uh, if you've been with us, you know that we have, you'll see it around our, our uh, church here, that we've been in a series this month called Chasing Carrots. Um, and really what we've been talking about is how so often in life we can chase after things. Uh, that really don't bring us the satisfaction that we're looking for. You know, we've been talking about prestige and ambition. We've been talking about money. We've been talking about stuff and, and really just all those things in kind where I think the world can tell us that somehow we're going to seek after them and that they're going to bring us this satisfaction in life that we've been so desperately seeking after. And this morning, uh, as I was getting ready to prepare and as I've been thinking about it, um, I wanted to take a little bit of a left turn uh, in the sense that, you know, we've been chasing carrots all month. Um, but I think that some of us are in a place in life where we've been chasing carrots, we've been chasing after stuff, we've been doing all the things that people have told us to do in order to bring the satisfaction that we're seeking. But we find ourselves this morning maybe at some dead ends in our life. That those carrots haven't actually led us to the promised land that they were supposed to lead us to, but in fact they've led us to maybe a dead end. And, and the passage we're going to use this morning is the famous uh, Jesus passage. He enters onto the earth. And in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, this is what the record says. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, because sometimes our first instinct isn't God's will, after he considered this, after he did the math, after he calculated his next move, God spoke. And I've realized something that as we celebrate this Christmas season, that it's often contrary to our logic when God speaks to us. It often violates the very things that we see or that we experience when God calls us to walk by faith. It goes on to say, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, son of Joseph, Joseph son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. Angel shows up and says, I know you're confused. I know you're bewildered. I know that you're hurt. But in verse 20, 22, it says this, all this took place to fulfill. I know that this situation doesn't make sense right now. I know that you're trying to 
figure out what to do and how to take the proper steps forward. But God is behind all this. I hear the Apostle Paul at this moment in Romans say that all things are working together for our good, for those who love God and who are called according to his purposes, that, Joseph, you may not understand what's happening around you, but if you can trust God, he'll work it out. He says this, all this, right, the parts you like, the parts you don't like, the parts that you get, the parts that you don't get, the parts that cause you to stay awake at night, the parts that feel good, the parts that leave you in tears in your pillows. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and we will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angels of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home at, as his wife. But he had no union with her, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, I want to speak for a few seconds this morning. Uh, I've been told that I have a 20-minute time limit, so listen quickly as I speak quickly. But I wanted to take a few moments this morning, like I said, to talk about dead ends. Because when we talk about Christmas, we celebrate it as the story of new beginnings. But when we understand the context to which or, or what's happening in really the Israelite nation at this point, we realize that the Christmas story, although it may be a story of new beginnings, the story starts at a dead end. That by the time that we get to this moment in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, God has been seemingly silent since the time of the prophet Malachi. And, you know, I think that sometimes because we can kind of flip the page, we feel as though, you know, Malachi was Ma Matthew's neighbor, you know, and they kind of just, well, I'm bored of writing, and so here, you take over. But in fact, the time gap, the season of silence, they say between Malachi and, the, and Matthew was probably somewhere around 300 years, centuries of silence. Now, if I was to read you, again, it's kind of given us a little bit more context. If I was to read you the whole chapter of Matthew, starting in verse 1, uh, chances are the majority of you would be asleep by the time that we actually got to the part of the scripture that I wanted to use, because the first 17 verses, right, we're thinking, well, this is a man who's giving an account for the last 300 years of history. But if you were to go through and read it, you realize that it's just the genealogy of how Jesus came to earth. That math, Matthew's intro gives us 14 generations between Abraham and David, 14 between David and the Babylonian exile of the Israelites, 14 from the exile of the Israelites to the birth of Christ, and that's it. 300 years and nothing other than the genealogy of Jesus is worthy of being written about. Matthew chapter 1 is essentially a list of names. And I believe that what the writer is trying to signify to us is that at this point in God's redemptive story of mankind, heaven has hit a dead end. We get 42 generations of frustration and suddenly Christ is born. That it's a triumphant moment because heaven was at a dead end, that God and man, if you understand what was happening at this time, God and man had lived separated. That in the Old Testament, maybe there was a bit of interaction between God and man through the prophets, and but at this point, it had been 300 years of separation between God and man because God was holy. 
and he couldn't lower his standards for humanity. And because man was unholy, there was no way for man to be able to have this union with God. And then all of a sudden on the scene, a ladder comes and his name is Jesus. Not from earth to heaven because there was nothing that we could do in order to be good enough to God. But John 3, 16 tells us that God loved us so much that from heaven to earth, God built his own ladder back to us so that we could be redeemed back to him. But not only heaven do we see is at a dead end, we also see Joseph is at a dead end. I mean, I'm sure that Joseph was a lot like me, and when I got married to my wife, I was pretty darn excited for at least one reason, to marry my wife. All the old, the married people say amen. But the bad news was is that as he's getting ready to get married to Mary, married to Mary, he finds out this horrible news that Mary is already with child. Now, I want to say something really quick about this because sometimes in church we can skip right over this stuff. But a lot of people come to church and maybe you come to church just on Christmas and it could be a little bit strange because you know, just as well as I know, that this stuff doesn't just happen, right? You don't, no one ever accidentally gets pregnant, okay? And so let me talk about this for a moment because I think this is a key fact to understand what's happening is sometimes we can forget what Joseph would have been experiencing in this moment, that it must have been hard for Joseph to take the angel at his word. Because here's the thing, he wanted Mary, obviously he was going to marry her, but he saw no way forward. In their customs and in their times, if you understand that it was a disgraceful thing for this to have happened, and you know, he wanted it, but the scripture says it like this, that he had in mind to put her away. How many of you are thankful that some of the things that we have in mind aren't the things that God has in store? But here's the thing, he can't see a way forward. Joseph, the scripture says, is at a dead end, a dead end. He wants to marry Mary. You know, he put a deposit down on the venue. He's got the food and it's non-refundable. He's sent out the invites, you know. He's done everything he needs to do, but he's standing in this moment. And essentially, the scripture is telling us that he doesn't see a way forward. Heaven at a dead end. Humanity because of our separation between God dead end. Joseph, dead end. And I wonder this morning, I felt the Lord ask me this question. I wonder this morning, is anybody in this room, anybody watching online, finding yourself sitting here at a dead end? Maybe it's a dead end in, dead end in a relationship. You find yourself having done everything that you know to do and asking yourself, well, if they don't love me by now. Maybe it's a dead end with your children, that you've done everything that you know to do, but it's still not enough. And you find yourself in this moment frantically saying, I don't know what else I can do. Maybe you find yourself at a dead end in your resources, that you're out of money, and you know, you've put this whole Christmas season on your credit card, and you use this balance to pay off that balance, and you're realizing that I can't balance anything else out in my life. I'm at a dead end. I realize sometimes religion can leave us at a dead end. That we make so many commitments to change, but we never do. That we said so many times, you know, I'm going to do better. This is the last time I'm going to do that. 
and they find ourselves repeating the same old patterns. Every time we do, we feel a little bit more hopeless. Hopeless that we're never going to be capable of lasting and true change. I wonder this morning, are you at a dead end? That you spent your life chasing carrots, chasing things, chasing stuff, chasing answers that only leave you stuck in moments. But I got some good news for you this morning is that dead ends are a perfect place for new beginnings when your partner is Jesus Christ. And this is the thing, this is the message I came to preach about this morning. I didn't come to preach about some little baby rockabye in a bassinet. I came to preach about new beginnings. How the Bible says that the old things are passed away, that all things are new, that Emmanuel has come. God with us has come and is ready to walk us through any difficulty that we may be facing this morning. And this is the thing, I admire Joseph because I wouldn't have had the faith to be able to give Mary the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I'm good, and I could really give you the benefit of the doubt, but if you pop up telling me the Holy Spirit got me, I gotta tell you, I draw a hard line there. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that Joseph woke up, he has a dream, he woke up, and he's like, cool, let's, let's do this, right? And I gotta tell you, I would not be I wouldn't be cool with just a dream, right? Like, unless the angel was actually Maury Povich and he came to me with a DNA test and was like, this is God's baby. You know, I'm gonna need some DNA on that divine baby in your belly, but not Joseph. He was able to, he had this interaction where it seems like in one moment he went from no to yes. That he was able to what seems like so effortlessly do as the angel had commanded him. And the angel said to him in this, in this interaction something that seems so simple on the surface. Um, but as you really dig into it, you realize there's great depth. In verse 20, it says this, that he says this, that what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Let me simplify this. What's in her, Joseph, is from me. Because sometimes I believe that God wants us to know that what's packaged in our disappointment is the destiny for our future. That sometimes when people cause us pain and when life lets us down, that sometimes when it looks like on the surface that God has left us, but what's in her, what's in there, Joseph, what's happening in your life right now, it's actually from me. So we read in the story that Joseph has this amazing ability to just go with it. Now, as I was preparing over the last few days, um, I was really bothered because I, I realized, I think that the digital Bibles, I, I don't think that they put the whole passage in these digital Bibles. I was going to hop down there and try to read some of your paper Bibles uh, because I, I was really struggling as I was preparing because I couldn't find some really significant parts, at least parts of the scripture that I would find to be significant, right? Like the part of the story where the angel comes and gives Joseph proof. Or, or, or I, I was totally expecting that in one of those pack, passages that the angel of the Lord would have comforted Joseph based off of how he feels. That we who would have told him how to deal with the fact of what people were going to say about him, that the woman that he was... I was looking for the part where, you know, the angels wrote in the clouds, you know, like, no, really, Joseph, we promise this is God's baby. 
right? That like, or, or that people were getting raised from the dead at their gender reveal party, right? I mean, something to prove to me that this baby was special. But I realized something. I couldn't find the proof that it was just the voice of God saying to Joseph, Joseph, it's me, go through. So I thought to myself, I know what it must have been. I know what it must have been. It must have been that he really trusted Mary, right? It must have been that. I mean, it, it would have just been, you know, honey, Joseph, baby, I promise, you know, this is God's baby. But then I realized, nope, right? Because Mary and Joseph, you know, they didn't have the three-year courtship classes, right? Joseph didn't pick Mary because of her ChristianMingle.com dating app profile, right? Joseph didn't swipe right for Mary, right? Or swipe left. I'm married, so I don't, I don't, I don't use the, those, you know. But I realized this was an arranged marriage. They essentially didn't know each other at all because that was what the custom was like then, that he had none of it. Joseph had nothing to go on. He had no proof. He had no people. And I realized something. The answer to this story is simple. Joseph trusted God, and because he, because he trusted God, he was able to give God the benefit of the doubt. And I thought about this. What is the benefit of the doubt? You know, I asked the Lord, Lord, what's the benefit of the doubt? And God sent me to Wikipedia uh, because <laughs> God uses Wikipedia. And Wikipedia tells me that the benefit of the doubt is a favorable judgment in the absence of of full evidence and that means that it means this it means that when it doesn't add up my variable is not proof my variable isn't people my variable isn't my emotions when it doesn't add up my variable is god it means that when i don't have the evidence in my life that god is good that god is with me when i don't have the evidence in my life that god is for me you see i'm not looking at my life in order to determine to me what it is that, my, that I believe. I've already, I've already come to my conclusion before this case has even begun. And now because I know the conclusion, I live by the verdict. You see, I don't ask my bank account. I don't ask my doctor's report whether or not God is my provider and my healer. The Bible tells me that God is Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Rapha. That, that is the verdict. That is already the conclusion. And whether or not my life lines up with that, whether I'm at a dead end or I'm on the freeway, it doesn't make a difference. My verdict is God. You see, I've already come to the conclusion before the case even begins. No matter what the evidence says, it's simple for me. I simply look at the cross I look at the hands of Jesus outstretched, and it reminds me of the depth, the length that someone would go, the depth of love. The Bible says that if he would put Jesus on the cross for us, what could you ask him? If he gave his very best, what could you ask him that he wouldn't do? And I realized this as I was going through this, is that the Bible doesn't say that Joseph didn't doubt. I think this is important because sometimes in, in Christian circles, you know, I, I get this a lot because I'm, you know, a pastor, you know, Reverend Alexander McDonald, to be exact. 
And, you know, I have conversations with people, and over the last, you know, couple of months, I've been really trying to engage more people just in my everyday life, and talking about church and about God, and, and people, I find, make this really common statement to me that, you know, it must be nice not to doubt. It must be nice to have all your questions answered. It must be nice to be able to get to the place where you don't doubt anything, and that you're able to really surrender to your faith in God. But I realized something. The scripture doesn't say that Joseph didn't doubt. The scripture tells us that even though Joseph had the doubts, even though Joseph had the questions, he didn't let the doubt stop him from doing what God had asked him to do. Can I say something this morning? Don't let your doubt stop you from doing the things that God has asked you to do. Don't let your doubts stop you from laying hold of the promise that God gave you. That it doesn't matter how impossible the case may seem. When we hold on to the promise of God's nature, his nature is always true. Can I tell you, doubts don't have to be dead ends. All you got to do is walk through the doubt to get to the promise. Isn't this what King David said? That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of doubt, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of dysfunction, what does he say? It's not in spite of it. It's not that somehow we don't go through difficult situations. King David tells me that even though I go through all the stuff that I'm going to go through, I will not fear because I already have my verdict. I've already drawn my conclusion as to how the scenario is going to transpire. And why is this? Because I've learned, when I went to Israel, I learned this, that the, the, the Jewish people have this such an amazing thing in their theology, and that is that they embrace the mystery of God, and that they understand that in order to understand an infinite being, right, that the knowledge of him is infinite, for me to feel as though I can understand an infinite being, how many of you know, like, can you count to infinity? Does anybody, here's a math lesson for you. And so here's the thing that the Jewish people do, is they'll have a difficult situation. In fact, one of the things that they're famous for is that even in the most difficult of times, like when they were in the concentration camps during World War II, that it would say that one of the things that bothered the soldiers so much in these camps was that the Israel, that the Jewish people would sing songs all the time. Why? Was it because their conditions were so good? Was it because that externally it seemed as though God was doing everything they... No, it was that whether they were in the camp, whether they were in the promised land, whether it was going the way they wanted it to go, whether it was looking right, whether it was feeling right, they had already drawn their conclusion. In fact, when you go to Israel, if you ever get the chance to go, you'll realize that it's a very common saying there. That you'll talk to the most scholarly of rabbis and they'll say, I'm not sure it's the mystery. I think that sometimes in our Western civilization, the doubt comes in because we always feel like we have to have answers instead of questions. I was talking to my wife yesterday as we were driving home. There's this tragedy that's happening that we're kind of following on social media and praying for this family. And I said, the more and more that I go through life, the more and more of the situations that I experience, because I've already drawn my conclusion that God is good. And, and so in order for some of these situations to happen, but at the same time, God is good, I said to her, I realize so much now more than ever that I see through the glass 
so dimly. That if the Apostle Paul can stand and say that God will turn all things out for our good. Can I tell you something? We've gone through situations. You've gone through stuff. I've gone through stuff. That in the moment you're going through it, maybe you feel like there's absolutely no chance that anything good could ever come from this. But I tell you that your despair does not have to be a dead end. Really quickly, as I'm closing with this, I think I'm out of time. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The angel says to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Right? This is the angel saying, Mary, what I'm about to tell you, it's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, so I'm going to give you the verdict before I give you the situation. Right? He's saying like, listen, sweetie, you think you know what's going to happen, but you got no idea. So I'm going to tell you God is with you. Uh, I'm going to remind you. I'm going to bring you back to the thing that you can always know in every season of your life, that God is with you, God is for you, that you're highly favored. Now that we got that settled, I got something to tell you. And it says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words. But I was thinking, you know, what was there to be troubled about? Because all that the angel said to him is like, hey, Mary, God likes you. You know, like, do you like him back? Check yes or no, right? I mean, it wasn't anything overly scary. But the angel said to her, right, you don't have to be afraid. You have found favor with God that I've got an assignment for you. And because you found favor with God, right, you'll be with child and you'll give birth to a son and you'll give him the name Jesus and he'll be great. He'll be God. He'll be called the son of the most high that the Lord will give him a throne that will sit on, on, on his father, David, and he will reign forever. That his kingdom will never end. And now watch Mary's response, right? This response is amazing. She says, oh, yes, glorious angel and heavenly father and praise the Lord and glory to God and the most high and peace on earth and good tidings to all and Merry Christmas and have a good night. And Lord, your words, you know, they're like sweet dew and, and glorious drops of rainbow assurance in my That is absolutely not what she said. If you read this account, in fact, the very first thing out of her mouth was how? <laughs> right? She's like, I know how pregnancy works. I know how this goes. How am I pregnant? Like, God, I promise Joseph and I, we've been keeping it clean. You know, like, I swear we haven't been in the back seats of our camels. You know, like, we're keeping it zipped up. I promise. How is this possible? How? Her first instinct isn't yes. Her first instinct is how. Because I realized something. That is always the response we will have when God really comes and knocks on your door. How can I really forgive this person? How can I really be, get, be forgiven by someone as we celebrate Jesus? You may be sitting here wondering, how can I really be forgiven by someone who, who I don't even know, who died thousands of years ago? How can someone else's death really affect my life? How, God, can you really use me? I mean, look at me. I'm nobody. I've, I've got nothing. How can you use me? How can I move forward after this? How can I forgive? How can I believe that your promises for my future are still good when all I see around me are dead ends? This is what Mary says in this moment. How? Let me tell you, church, the greatest gift that God ever gives, the greatest things that we experience in God, the greatest promises, the greatest breakthroughs, they're always on the other side of our how. On the other side of our question, on the 
other side of your I don't get it, on the other side of your I don't understand, on the other side of the how is this possible, on the other side of the what now, on the other side of the who this, on the other side of our questions. Can I tell you that if we wait for the evidence to trust God, if we need the proof that he is really real before we serve him, if we let the pain of people, if we let the problems imprison us to our past, if we need to feel a certain way, if we need to be esteemed, if we need to be favored, if we need to be looked at a particular way, can I tell you, we'll never be the ones who take Mary home. That we'll never be the ones who get to experience the promise that's on the other side of our how. Because I realized something, and maybe we can all stand, I'd like to pray for you this morning. That the promise of God in our life is always wrapped in questions for a reason. Because if God gave you proof, if God laid out the plans, if God gave us everything we needed in order to do it on our own, in order for things to make sense to us, if God laid it out, if he brought the people and the places and the things and the stuff, if we need the proof, we don't need the relationship. And the scripture is clear that this Christmas story is about God come down to earth so he could have relationship with us. Now I want to pray with you this morning, but I want to be very clear that as I talk about dead ends, and sometimes I can get excited because I'm a fairly ex easily excited person, I want to make sure you understand that I'm not standing here trying to minimize your pain. I'm not trying to tell you that what you've gone through isn't real, that the experiences of your life, the losses you've experienced, that they're not real, or to somehow, by you feeling the emotion of the situation, that it somehow detracts from your ability. Can I tell you something? The absence of doubt is not what it looks like to have true faith. It's not the prerequisite in order to be used by God, because if that was the case, Mary could never have been the mother of Jesus. But I want to be very clear this morning that some of us have been stuck at dead ends because of our pain, because of disappointments, because of fear, because of questions. Maybe some of you this morning have been in church before and you haven't been here for a while. Maybe you've gone through stuff. Maybe you've heard stuff. You've seen stuff. You've read stuff about church. Maybe religion has let you down and people have let you down. I'm here to tell you this morning, the good news is that Jesus is the Lord of dead ends and he's ready this morning to help us write the next, the next chapter of our life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we just want to take a moment of privacy and concentration that there's something that happens to us internally when we respond externally. I'm going to ask for two simple groups of people. I'm just going to ask that you'd slip your hand up in a moment if you find yourself in one of those two categories. The first category is this. You find yourself at a dead end. Maybe in a relationship, like I said, maybe in your finances, maybe in your family. And the second group is this. If you are here this morning and you'd say, this Jesus that you're talking about, I've never, I don't know him. I've never met him before. I'm not familiar with this guy that you're talking about. Or maybe you'd say that I was familiar with him when I was a kid, but my life has been so full of chasing carrots that I forgot about him and I'm finding myself in a place where I need some help. When I ask this with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one's looking around. If you say that I find myself in one of those two categories, I'm going to ask you really quickly on the count of three, slip up your hand. One, two, three. 
See those hands? All over the room, people raising their hands. That's you. Slip up your hand. There's something that happens internally when we respond externally. I'm going to ask you for this. One, all together as one big church family, I'm going to ask you to just pray this prayer after me. The Bible says that we, when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, that it's a moment that we invite Jesus into our life to be the Lord, to begin to cause things to make sense. I'm going to ask everyone together corporately to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your only son to die for my sins. I receive him. I receive him. His payment. His payment. His sacrifice. His sacrifice. I declare. I declare that He is the Lord of my life. He is the Lord of my life. He is my Savior. He is my Savior. And my King. And my King. Say right now. Right now. I choose. I choose. As an act of my will. As an act of my will. To let go. To let go. Of all the things in my past. Of all the things in my past. That have brought me to these dead ends. That have brought me to these dead ends. I forgive. I forgive those who need to be forgiven. Those who need to be forgiven. I release. I release those who need to be released. Those who need to be released. And in its place. And in its place. Jesus. Jesus. I take your peace. I take your peace. Say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come into my life. Come into my life. Fill me. Fill me. Use me. Use me. Challenge me. Challenge me. Clean me. Clean me. Direct me. Direct me. Say Lord. Lord, I need your help. I need your help. And I thank you. And I thank you. That you're always there. That you're always there. You are the ever-present help. You are the ever-present help. In our time of need. In our time of need. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a shout. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, if that was the first time that you ever prayed that prayer, we have a team of people who will be up at the altar after service, and we would love a chance to not just meet you, but also pray with you if you would. If I could have our choir come on up to the front. We have one more wonderful thing that we want to share with you this morning so you can be seated for one more second. I just wanted to run through a couple of quick announcements. If you remember, we completed our food drive last <laughs> week, and our goal was 300 food bags. Last year, we exceeded our goal by 313, but can you do a drum roll for me, please? Because this is a good one. This year, we did Sorry. 379 oh, yeah. food bags, <laughs> which is so amazing. We were able to give out full Christmas meals with turkeys to people, and we just thank you so much for your generosity. We went over the top this year, which is amazing, so thank you. That's not door-to-door. -door. That's just you guys bringing in food. And um, some people gave grocery cards, which is an amazing idea. So thank you so much. We were able to fill up 379 food bags. Think about that. All those people's lives who are going to be affected this Christmas by your generosity. So thank you for that. And then also, one more announcement before you guys can take it away. We are not here on Wednesday night for service because Wednesday night is Christmas Day. But we will be here Sunday morning like normal at 10 a.m. I believe it's December the 29th. We will be here Sunday morning. So everybody got that? No Wednesday night service, but we are here Sunday morning. Okay, ready guys? Take it away.
Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.